podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Back and better than ever. Two-footed podcast on Wednesday, December 13th. Hope you're all well. The sun is shining, but it is cold. But the sun is shining, and that's all I really care about. Folks, folks, we had Champions League last night. And one of the most embarrassing Champions League campaigns I can ever really remember has come to an end. As Manchester United lose 1-0 at home to Bayern Munich and finish bottom of their group. A group with Bayern is always going to have one tough team. So you would have forgiven them if there was someone else in that group that prior to the competition beginning, we'd have looked at and thought, you know, they're in with a shout of getting to the quarterfinals, semifinals. 
But this didn't. Now, I did say at the start of the Champions League campaign, I thought Galatasaray would finish second. And I thought United would finish third. And I disrespected Copenhagen and said I thought they'd finish fourth. In the end, Bayern topped the group with 16 points following a 1-0 win at Old Trafford last night. Kingsley Coleman scoring the only goal of the game. If anyone can let me know what Andre Onana was doing, I'd love to know. If anyone can let me know what Aaron Wambasaka was doing, I'd love to know. To further compound their misery last night, Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw both got injured. And United's injury situation at the moment is, it, it is a crisis. It is, it is now a crisis level. Byron topped the group with 16 points, five wins and a draw. The United end up bottom of the group with four points. One win at home to Gallup, to, to Copenhagen. They beat them 1-0 through a Harry Maguire goal and one draw. The draw in Galatasaray, a game in which they were 2-0 and then 3-1 up and somehow contrived not to win it. United go out bottom of the group. No Europa League. They were fodder. For all the bumming and bragging that United fans did at the end of last season when they'd gotten themselves a top four finish, about how they were dark horses to win the competition, all the celebrations in the summer when they wasted a whole bunch of money on mediocrity, they have finished bottom and gone out in a group that had one team with a chance to make the latter stages. Copenhagen finished second. They beat Galatasaray 1-0 in Copenhagen last night. Laraga with the only goal of the game. He was later sent off in that game. So Copenhagen go through and Galatasaray drop into the Europa League, where they will be one of the stronger teams dropping in. In Group B, Arsenal finished out their campaign with a 1-1 draw in Eindhoven. They went 1-0 up through Eddie and Ketia, but for Tesson equalised eight minutes later. Well, eight minutes later in terms of minutes played, but in actuality about 26 minutes later because of the half-time break and the shenanigans. Um, PSV go through in second with that point. That was a really important point for them. In the other game, Lens beat Sevilla 2-1. Frankowski opened the scoring from a penalty. Sergio Ramos scored a penalty to equalize. And Fulgini scored in the last minute to give Lens the win. Sevilla are out, Lens into the Europa League. In Group C, Real Madrid rounded out a perfect group campaign with a 3-2 win in Berlin over Union. They went 1-0 down. Kevin Volland scored the opener. Josselu then put them 2-1 up. Alex Kral, formerly on loan at West Ham, equalized to make it 2-2 with five minutes to go. And then Danny Ceballos scored a a last-minute winner to give Real the win. So Real go through on 18 points, and joining them will be Napoli, who beat Braga 2-0. Sachi scored an own goal on nine minutes, and Victor Osman scored on 33, and Napoli cruised through 
10 points. Braga drop into the Europa League. In the final games played last night, Inter and Real Sociedad played out a nil-nil draw. So Real will top the group with 12 points and a superior goal difference to Inter Milan, who also finished on 12 points. The two games between those sides both ended in draws. So it goes to goal difference and Sociedad advance. So they will be a tough out. They play a really nice brand of football. They're well coached. They've got some very good players. They'll be a tough out, as will Inter. We saw how how difficult Inter can be to deal with in the Champions League last season. So nobody's going to look forward to playing either team from that group. In the other game, Benfica finally woke up. Now, bear in mind that through the first four games of this group, Benfica had lost all four games. Last time out, they went 3-0 up against Inter and then threw it away and ended up drawing 3-3. But last night, they went to Salzburg. Angel Di Maria opened the scoring. Rafa Silva made it two just on half time. Lukas Sukic pulled one back. But then Arthur Cabral scored on 92 and made it 3 1. And that goal, that goal put Benfica through. They ended up on four points, same as Salzburg. The head-to-head became equal because of that last-minute goal because Salzburg had won 2-0 in Benfica. So that made it 3-3. There's no away goals to be considered. The goal difference was minus four for both teams, but Benfica scored seven goals while Salzburg only scored four, and Benfica find their way into the Europa League while Salzburg go out. So that's what we have. We have Bayern, Copenhagen, Arsenal, PSV, Real Madrid, Napoli, and Real Sociedad Inter Milan going through to the knockout phases of the Champions League. Galatasaray, Lens, Braga, and Benfica dropping in to the Europa League. And Manchester United, Sevilla, Union Berlin, and Red Bull Salzburg eliminated from European competition this year. Hmm. Tonight, we have another eight games. Atletico Madrid take on Lazio and Celtic take on Feyenoord in Group E. Now, Atleti, Lazio, they're playing for the top seed. They're both qualified already. Feyenoord are qualified already for the Europa League and Celtic have been eliminated. Celtic are playing for pride. Feyenoord have nothing to play for. And the other two are playing for top spot. In Group F, Dortmund are through. And then it comes down to PSG, Newcastle and Milan. And any of them can advance. Any of them can go into the Europa League and any of them can be eliminated. Now Dortmund take on PSG. Dortmund having already qualified have no real concerns, so they can rest players. That probably points to advantage PSG. In the other game, Newcastle play host to Milan. And that should be a really good game. I fancy the tune to win. 
And then it just comes down to the other game as to whether Newcastle end up in the Europa League or the Champions League knockout stage. Now, I wouldn't rule out Milan going to Newcastle and coming away with a result. Newcastle have a lot of injuries at the moment. They have not looked at all good in their last couple of games. They got, as you'll remember, pumped by Everton and then battered by Spurs. Ahead of tonight's game, they have no Tonali, no Nick Pope, no Jacob Murphy, no Dan Byrne, no Elliot Anderson, no Sven Botman, no Joe Willock, no Harvey Barnes, no Kieran Trippier. Oh, Kieran Trippier is available for tonight, sorry. Uh, Dubravka is a doubt. Mankio is out and Matt Target is out. It is bare bones for Newcastle at the moment. So you wouldn't rule Milan out, but Toon at home should have some advantage there. From a selfish Liverpool point of view, I'm hoping Milan go through to the Europa League and PSG stay in the Champions League because I don't want to play PSG in the Europa League. Uh, In Group G, Manchester City are qualified. Leipzig are qualified. They're both through. Young boys will be in the Europa League. Red Star are eliminated. Leipzig take on young boys. Red Star take on City. Neither game means anything. Don't bother watching either. In Group H, Porto play Shakhtar. Antwerp play Barcelona. Barca are through. Porto and Shakhtar are playing for the last spot in the knockouts. As things stand, it will be Porto. So Shakhtar need to win. A draw doesn't help them. Antwerp are gone, so they're not worth considering. Shakhtar need to win. A draw is enough for Porto. Should be a decent game. But Porto, obviously, at home, you'd fancy them to come away with the win. So of tonight's games, the two that are really meaningful are Dortmund, PSG, and Newcastle, Milan. There'll be some interest in Atleti Lazio because, again, they're playing for top spot. But the games in Group G are meaningless. And in that Porto Shakhtar game, again, there's there's something on the a lot on the line there, really. So you've got three games that matter. Porto Shakhtar, the two games in Group F, and then one game that's of some consequence, which is uh, Atleti versus Lazio. Other than that, just sit back and enjoy. Like unless you're a fan of one of those teams, you've nothing to worry about. It's just a night for enjoying the football. Um, I'm going to do news and gossip. And then we're going to go to break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to be inspired by Manchester United. That's what we're going to do. Uh, so news wise, Rio Ferdinand has said that the anger of Leeds fans wrecks his head. He seems surprised that his decision to walk out in a club that had paid a lot of money for him uh, and go to Manchester United, who are Leeds' traditional rivals, upset Leeds fans. Rio's a strange fella. He's a strange fella. The idea that he wasn't pushing for the move is very strange. He pushed openly for that move to United and left the club with little or no choice. 
Um, title winning Pioli in danger of losing job after Syria after winning Syria in 2022. So obviously Milan have not had a, a great start to this season after a pretty big investment in the summer. Uh, they currently sit third, but they're nine points behind Inter and seven points behind Juve. So they're not really in the title mix as things stand. They've lost four of 15 in the league. And then obviously in the Champions League, they're currently bottom of the group and facing elimination from all European competitions, which is not what they had envisaged in the summer when they spent a significant chunk of money. I'm not overly surprised that he's um, he's risking or he's at risk of the of the sack. I'm not overly surprised, but you know, Milan are a club where the expectations will always be high, no matter what. The expectations will always be high. That is the the mindset that Berlusconi built into that club in the 80s and 90s that. Milan should be winning everything every year and anything short of winning is failure. And that's how most top clubs should operate. And unfortunately for Pioli, there can be no, well, you won us a title two years ago, but you know, we're going to give you another opportunity here, even though you failed last season, you're failing this season. If he doesn't turn this around, he's got to go. It's as simple as that. And there are some, some really good managers out there. I I would love to see them go and bring in Abel Ferreira from Palmieri's. If they were to move on from, from Pioli, that would be the choice I'd go for as a winner. Two couple of Dodores, two Brazilian Serie A's. I think he's the type of manager that goes there and gets them going in the right direction. Um, There's quite a lot of talk around Chelsea and what they're going to do in January. And there's been some suggestion that they could buy two or three more players. I mean, if you take out the relegated teams and the newly promoted teams, no team has taken less points than Chelsea in the calendar year of 2023. No team. They're level with Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest. They're just behind Bournemouth, just behind Everton, behind Wolves and Fulham and West Ham, and miles and miles behind the teams that they aim to compete with. Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, Newcastle, even Arsenal, even Spur, or even Aston Villa, rather. Miles and miles ahead. Aston Villa have taken the second most points in 2023 after Man City. I mean, that's appalling from Chelsea. That really is appalling. And the style of football is horrendous as well. Like, they don't score any goals. I, I, there's, I said this on Twitter the other day. 
the co-sporting directors there are a pair of cowboys. They have recklessly thrown money around with absolutely no plan. And they can claim that this is targeted recruitment, but it's not. It's not. They have just bought and bought and bought with no plan, no notion of who these players are going to be for, no identity to the club. They are a mess. They really are a mess. And their accounts are going to be hilarious. And the Premier League have now agreed, the clubs have agreed on a new five-year limit on amortisation, which UEFA had brought in and the Premier League now move in line with that. Chelsea voted in favour of them. Even though that's the only reason that they're not already getting a points deduction is that they were able to split the cost of the likes of Bruno, or sorry, of Enzo and Caicedo over eight years. But you look at the play, like they've got Cole Palmer, Romeo Lavia, seven year contracts. Mike McMudrick, um, seven or eight year contract. And uh, Noni Medecki, seven and a half year contract. Like, it's just. It's just comical that they thought this was a good way to go about building a squad. And there's already a lot of rumblings about unhappy players there and what that might lead to. Like, how are they going to get rid of any of these players? How are they going to move these players on? Unless the players are desperate to go, if they have, and they have a, a bunch of players who are already looking like flops, how do they get rid of those players if those players decide they don't want to leave? They're on big money. Chelsea are paying obscene wages. And they're paying them over ridiculous contract lengths. Those players aren't going to want to leave. If you're even on a hundred grand a week at Chelsea, that's 35 million over five, over seven years. Why would you want to leave? Why would you want to go? You're not going to get that type of guarantee anywhere else. Like to get that on a five-year deal, you'd have to be earning 140 grand a week. A lot of players earn 100. Not many elsewhere earn 140. But at Chelsea, most of them are earning 140 plus. Enzo, for example... I think he's got eight and a half years left on his deal on about 200 grand a week. That's 85 million pounds Chelsea owe him. He hasn't exactly lit the world alight. I think he's a great player. But I mean, he's part of a team that have been the worst team in the Premier League other than the promoted and relegated teams for 12 months now. Moises Caicedo is on 200 grand a week. He's got eight years left. There's 80 million. Sorry, he's got seven and a half years left. 75 million they owe him. That's base pay. That doesn't include incentives and bonuses. 
Mudrick, 160 grand a week. He's got seven years left, seven and a half years left. So 60 million. How are you going to get rid of them? How are you going to get rid of these players? At some point, Chelsea are going to have to have a fire sale where they take big losses on players. And that is going to make their accounts look even funnier. And they get more bad news with the news that Reese James is now facing another spell on the sidelines with the hamstring injury he suffered against Everton. And it's becoming a real issue now. Like, Reese James is clearly a very good player. But he's not reliable. He's not reliable at all. He gets hurt over and over and over again. And then he's out for significant periods of time. And when he comes back, it always takes him a couple of games. But you look at his career to date. Forgetting the loan spell at Wigan, where, to his credit, he played 45 of 46 games in the championship. This is year five with Chelsea. Year one, 24 Premier League appearances, so he missed 14 games. Year two, 32, so he misses six. There's 20 games missed. Year three, 26 games played, so he misses 12. There's 32 games missed. Last season, he played 16 Premier League games. That's 22 games missed. That's 54 games missed. And this season, he's played eight. And there's been 16 games. He's missed eight. What's that, 62 games? 62 league games, forgetting everything else. 62 league games missed in four and a half years not counting what he's about to miss moving forward. He's 24 years of age. He's played 106 Premier League games and missed 64. And it's never a good sign when you go on transfer market and you go to stats injury history and you look at an injury record for a player and they've got a page two. It really isn't good when that player is 24 years of age. Now, I know he turns 25. No, he's just turned 24, hasn't he? He's just turned 24. He's just turned 24. And the injuries are, I mean, 1920, ankle injury, misses 21 games. These are all competitions. That's to start the season. He misses 21 games. Comes back. Ankle injury. Misses two games. Later that season, bruise. Misses three games. Later that season, a knock, but he didn't actually miss any games. 2021, ankle injury. Four games. Hamstring strain. Five games. 21-22. Hamstring injury. 13 games. A week later, muscle injury, five games. A month later, hamstring injury, two games. 
That's just one season. 22-23, knee injury, nine games. Comes back two weeks later, knee injury, seven games. Later that year, hamstring injury, one game. Illness, one game. Tie problems, doesn't miss a game. Hamstring injury, seven games. And this season, hamstring injury, nine games. And now again, hamstring injury. You're talking about a player with multiple knee issues, multiple ankle problems, and hamstring problems. And he's just turned 24. Now, one of the problems with Reese James is he looks like a bodybuilder. And I have to believe that if someone sat him down and said, look, Reese, you need to drop about two stone of that muscle. You need to get a lot lighter or, or else these injuries are just going to continue to happen over and over and over again. But who's going to do that? Like, he was named captain. Why was he named captain? How do you name a captain who's always injured? I get that he's arguably the best player at the club. I don't believe he is, but arguably. So, you know, some people say he is. So, no, there's the arguably. But how do you name him captain? And what do you do with him? What do you do with him now? If it were me, I'd honestly be calling Real Madrid and seeing if they're interested and looking to sell them. And if you can get 70 million for them, I'd take it. Go with Malo Gusto at right back. Invest that 70 million into another area of the team and just move on because this lad just can't stay fit. Like he's twenty, just gone twenty four. He's on page two of an injury record. That will be page three by the time he's twenty six. He could be retired at twenty seven, twenty eight due to injuries. Genuinely, and you know things aren't great for Ch- for Chelsea with injuries at the moment at all. Uh, as with Manchester United, there is a lot of players out. There has been all season for Chelsea, which might be the only excuse that Poch has left. But Fafana is out or for the for the season. Chilwell isn't expected back until mid-January. Lavi is expected back in a couple of weeks. Gusto's expected back in a week. Nkunku is expected back in a couple of weeks. Mudeki, a couple of weeks. Chalaba is out. Ogochukwu is out. Chukwemeka is out. James now out. Robert Sanchez got injured. Uh, and Kukurea is out. Like... They're decimated, but like it's not like the players that are playing are performing, and even those players who are injured, who when they did play, they didn't perform. What a mess. Simon Hooper apparently was devastated after not giving Manchester City a late advantage in their 3-3 draw with Tottenham. Said it before, Grealish isn't scoring from there, so... While, yeah, it's a bad decision, it, it, it ultimately didn't impact the game. Uh, you've probably already heard by now, but top flight football in Turkey has been um, suspended. It will resume on the 19th of December after 
the president of uh, of one of the clubs ran onto the pitch and punched a referee. Um, the punch is obviously terrible, and that guy should never work in football again. He has resigned from his position. But more concerning is when the referee's on the game, two people run by and kick him in the face. Um, the referee has said that there's, well, he, through the Football Federation, that there's no chance he's going to quit, that he's going to come back and going to work again. Um, I believe he's got a fractured eye socket. Um, and it's horrendous. Like, referees should never, ever, ever have to worry about being assaulted by players, managers, coaches, and certainly not by presidents of football clubs who have no business even being on the pitch. Like, that man should be arrested, really, for what he did. He he invaded a pitch that he had no business being on. And really and truly, he... he he should be arrested. He assaulted somebody. Um, Pep says, Pep Guardiola says, Erling Haaland will miss the game against Red Star, but will uh, might train on Thursday. Um, there's a rumor. It's only a rumor for now. But there's a rumor going around that he's got a fracture in his foot. So we'll wait and see what happens. I want to take a quick trip through the other leagues before we do the gossip. Because last night, Ipswich went to Watford and won 2-1. And that put them top of the championship. Now, they're two points clear of Leicester. Leicester do have a game in hand. Leicester played tonight, home to Millwall. Millwall are currently 20th. So you would expect Leicester to win. I do just think it's worth highlighting that we're almost halfway through the championship season and Ipswich Town have only lost twice and currently sit top, having been freshly promoted to that division. They've scored by far the most goals in the division. Now, defensively, they're not great. They've conceded 26. But even at that, you've only got one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven. Seven clubs in the division who've conceded less than them. Two others have conceded the same amount. But they're sitting in 10th and 11th. Um, So you'd like to see them tighten up at the back if and when they do come up into the Premier League. But right now, they're in a great great position to get promoted. Like, they're 10 points clear of Leeds who sit third. Same number of games played. 13 points clear of Southampton who are fourth with a Southampton of a game in hand. It, it's looking like Leicester and Ipswich will be in the Premier League next year. And then Leeds and Southampton, you'd say, look, nailed on for playoff spots. And it's probably between West Brom, Sunderland, Preston, Blackburn, Cardiff. You could maybe make an argument for Hull. Unless Middlesbrough go on a late season a late season surge or a back half of the season surge, I think it's probably going to be three from that seven or that eight, actually, as it is, that eight who get promoted. Um, Let's catch up with the League One table and see who's where. Portsmouth are top six points clear of Bolton. 
Uh, Bolton do have a game in hand. Then Stevenage are level on points at Bolton, but they've played two games more than Bolton. Then Peterborough, Oxford, Birmingham, uh, Derby, Barnsley, Blackpool. Actually, back to the championship for a second. Birmingham, one win in five, three defeats and a draw. Wayne Rooney obviously took over as manager to some criticism from from a lot of people because of the manner of the appointment and how sort of public it was. Uh, Rooney has been in charge for nine games and thus far he's won one. Um, He obviously did an okay job at Derby, was able to create a bit of a siege mentality, just couldn't overcome the... uh, the points deductions, 124 of 85 games. But you thought, in the, in the circumstance, he did okay. At DC United, uh, he managed 53 games and won only 14 with 25 losses. Uh, but at Birmingham, one win from nine with six losses. That's not good, Wayne. Not good at all. Uh, anyway, back to League One. Pompey, like I said, are top. Um, anything else? Of no, Charlton sit tenth, but they're unbeaten in five, which is positive at least. You're probably probably looking at Portsmouth coming up. Bolton look a good bet for second right now, and then Stevenage, Peterborough, Oxford, Derby, who've won five in a row, Barnsley. Blackpool and Lincoln. They look like the playoff caliber teams for now. Uh, League two. Stockport are top. They're six points clear of Wrexham. They have played a game more. Now, remember, three teams come up automatically from this division. So right now, Wrexham look a pretty good bet, at least for the playoffs at the very least, the playoffs. For them to miss out on the playoffs, you're looking at Gillingham, who are six points behind them, having to jump them. But they're six points off Stockport with a game in hand. Level and points of Barrow, who've played the same number of games. Barrow are in great form, the most informed team in the division with five straight wins. Um, So let's just say those are the three that come up. For the playoffs... You're looking at Mansfield, Crew, Notts County, AFC Wimbledon, Gillingham, Swindon, Accrington, Stanley, and Crawley. Realistically, Morecambe have just fallen off a cliff. One point from the last five games after what was a good start to the season for them. Uh, how are we looking in the National League? Chesterfield top eight points clear of Bromley with two games in hand. So they're looking a really good bet. Uh, Bromley in good position. Barnet have lost four straight. Solihull Moors have lost three straight. So Bromley looking like a decent bet to come up at the moment. Uh, where do they want to go next? I wanted to check in with the Eredivisie where 
PSV continue to just run away with it. 15 wins from 15 games. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Final or second. They've got 35 points in 15 games, which is a really good return. And they're 10 points behind. Ajax have turned their season around. They're up into fifth. They're 21 points off top, though, and 11 points behind Feyenoord, nine points behind Alkmaar and 20. But they are trending in the right direction and have uh, have saved themselves quite a lot of embarrassment after their disgraceful start to the season. Uh, we'll jump to La Liga, where obviously Girona are top two points clear of Real Madrid. Atletico Madrid are further five back, but have a game in hand. And then it's Barcelona in fourth. Then Athletic Club de Bilbao, five points behind Barca. Real Sociedad level with their local rivals. Then Real Betis, Las Palmas. Valencia sitting 11th. Sevilla, 16th. Uh, Celta Vigo, 18th. Yeah, not great, not great. Uh, into Syria, we mentioned earlier. I mentioned earlier. I don't know who we is. I mentioned earlier that Inter are top. Uh, then it's Juve, then Milan, then Roma, then Bologna. This kind of surprise package of the Syria season, and then defending champions Napoli, who have been an abomination. Genoa are battling away in mid table, which makes me happy. Cagliari have have improved. Uh, Empoli, Verona, and Salonatana currently bottom. Things not looking great for them in League One. League One. PSG are top. Nice are second, four points behind. Through 15 games, Nice have only conceded six goals, which is outstanding. Uh, Monaco currently taking up the third Champions League spot. And if I had to bet, I would bet on those three teams, unless Nice fall off a cliff. But I don't see it happening. They're so good defensively. They've only scored 16 goals. They've only scored 16 goals through 15 games, but they've only conceded six. So they're they're doing things in the Capello manner. Um, Leon still bottom, a shambles. They did win the last game, though. So I do expect them to stay up. I think they'll be okay. Uh, in the Bundesliga, Bayer Leverkusen continue to be a problem for everybody. They're four points clear of Bayern, but they have drawn their last two games. Bayern have a game in hand, but Bayern got pumped at the weekend by Eintracht Frankfurt. So if they win that game in hand, they will be uh, only a point behind Leverkusen. But again, they got walloped at the weekend. Stuttgart continue to be the surprise package there in third, then Leipzig, then Dortmund, well off the pace. I saw a funny report the other day that Dortmund are considering promoting now, I talked recently about how back in the day when a club wanted to sack a manager but either couldn't afford to or you know didn't want the ill will, they'd move them upstairs. Uh, and there's reports that Edin Tersic could well be getting promoted to the role as director of football or sporting director at Borussia Dortmund. Um, it would be a little bit odd. Sebastian Kiel is there. Now, maybe Sebastian Kiel is contemplating moving on, but it would be a little bit odd. But 
it would mostly be odd because you'd imagine Kiel is probably looking at Turkic and thinking, I might want to get rid of you. Um, much of the credit for their summer business was given to Tursic for signings, including Rami Bensabani, who hasn't been great, Felix Nemecha, who has struggled, Marcel Sabitzer, who hasn't been good, and Nicholas Fulkrug, who, yeah, I mean, that was always going to be a step too far for him, in my view. Their business wasn't great in the summer. And obviously they, they sold Jude and you were expecting them to spend that money. Well, I think Nemecha will come good. I didn't like the other business. they did. Ben Sibiani is pretty good, but I didn't like the two. The other two. I didn't like the Sabbaths are signing for them. Didn't like the full Krug deal for them. I watched him for Werder. He's very limited. He's he's good at what he does, but what he does doesn't really translate to a top club. Um, Is that all the leagues? Yeah, that's all. Oh, we'll we'll drop in on Portugal and see where they stand for the moment. Uh, top of the league are Sporting, but they've had a wobble. They've lost two of the last three, allowing Porto to catch them. And they have a goal difference advantage, but it's only one goal. So that's becoming interesting. Benfica have kind of sort of got the rack together. Um, but they have only taken nine points in the last 15 available. They're in third. They're a point behind. Then Braga, only two points off top, and they've won their last four, making them the most informed team in the league. Uh, shout out to Boa Vista, who had a really good start. Really, really good start. They've now lost five in a row. Well, lost five in a row. Well done, lads. Uh, we'll go to break. When we come... Oh, sorry. We'll do the gossip. We'll do the gossip. We'll do the gossip. When we come back, we'll do... A little, a little trip down memory lane. Not anything major this week. Um, nothing to be too excited about. But we're going to have a look at some, some other historically bad Champions League campaigns after the break. But we'll do the gossip. We've got two days worth. Chelsea are preparing to consider offers for Conor Gallagher, with Maurizio Pochettino looking to raise funds for either Ivan Tony or Victor Osman. Conor Gallagher has been captaining them. Of, of late, and now they're looking to sell. Axel de Sassi and Mark Cucurea are among seven players Chelsea manager Murcia Pochettino is willing to sell in January. Uh, de Sassi only joined in the summer, you'll remember. Um, Chelsea are continuing to track Palmieri's midfielder, Luis Guilherme, but Arsenal, Man City and Man United are also keeping tabs on the 17-year-old. Manchester United want to swap Jadon Sancho for Rafinha. I mean, what would that say about Anthony? Unless Rafinha would play left wing, but he prefers to play right wing. Manchester United are open to offers for Castamiro, Rafael Varane, Anthony Martial, Donny van der Beek and Jadon Sancho. That that makes sense. They'll get about 15, 25, 35, 50. You might get 90 million for that group if you're lucky. They spent, I believe, a hundred and uh, spent about 275 million on that group. Uh, if Sancho leaves Manchester United, Ahmed Diallo could replace him in the first team squad, having just been returned from injury. West Ham remain a hundred percent behind David Moyes, but yet aren't willing to give him a new contract, so they're not really a hundred percent behind him, are they? 
Calvin Phillips is seeking an exit from Man City. Everybody already knows that. Liverpool are considering recalling Reese Williams from his loan spell as Jurgen Klopp looks to solve his injury crisis. Reese Williams wouldn't be recalled to help with the injury crisis. He'd be recalled because he's not good enough to play for Aberdeen and they'd probably like to send him somewhere he might play. Bayern Munich reps were at Fulham's game at the weekend to watch Joe Polina. Spurs have agreed a new long-term deal with Destiny Adoji, according to Fabrizio Romano. Everton want to recall Mason Holgate from his loan spell at Southampton due to a lack of game time, which makes sense. Bournemouth have offered Lloyd Kelly a club record deal. Jesus, I don't think he's in the best back four at the moment. Uh, Brentford are in the market for a striker, even if Tony stays at the club, with Brandon Vasquez of FC Cincinnati on the radar. They they need to find a a replacement for Tony. They should have bought Victor Jacarez in the summer. Um, Red Bull Salzburg's Israel midfielder Oscar Clark is on Aston Villa's radar. Okay. Quinton Turam, twin brother of Julian Turam, is a transfer target for Fulham. That could make sense. Stoke have approached Dean Smith. That would make sense. I think that's a good fit. Arsenal have held talks with English defender Ruel Walters as they look to fend off interest in the 18-year-old from clubs in the Premier League and Europe. So, yeah, fair. They've lost a few talents, so they'll want to keep their best ones. Barcelona are considering a loan move in January for Giovanni Lo Celso. I don't know why Spurs would agree to that. Talks are advancing for a deal for Manchester United's Donny van der Beek to join Eintracht Frankfurt on loan. Yeah, so drop the uh, 90 million that I suggested to about 85, maybe. No, sorry, I think I said 15 for him, so maybe 75. Not great. Uh, Newcastle's owners continue to admire Jose Mourinho. Um, That would be a bad move by Newcastle. Hitafe are hoping to buy Mason Greenwood from Manchester United, but stand to profit anyway due to a 20% sell-on clause that was inserted in his loan deal. So United gave him to Hitafe and basically said, rebuild his value and we'll give you 20% of the money. Oh, they tried to keep that one hidden, didn't they? Arsenal have made an offer of 17.2 million plus add-ons for Marcus Leonardo. No, they haven't. Manchester City could move for a striker and a midfielder in the January window. They could do the defender as well. Juventus remain interested in signing Calvin Phillips on loan. Chelsea are keen on Victor Jacarez, according to a man who actually doesn't exist. Former Wolves and Spain boss Julian Lopetegui is interesting. Both Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest. I think he'd be a good fit at Palace. Um, he'd be good for either, but I think the Palace one is the one that needs changing quicker. Liverpool and Manchester United are among a number of Premier League clubs monitoring Real Betis midfield, a winger, Asan Diaw. He's been linked for a while with both clubs. Saudi Arabian clubs, Al-Shabaab and Al-Quadzea, are considering a move for Jamie Vardy. Fair. Liverpool are considering recalling Nat Phillips. No, they're not. They're gonna, if they're going to recall him, it's got nothing to do with any injuries. It's just to get him out somewhere else. Ibrahim Kanate has begun contract talks with Liverpool despite talk of a move to PSG. There was no talk of a move to PSG. He was asked about PSG. And he said he grew up supporting them. So, nonsense. Championship side Sunderland are in talks to appoint Will still 
but face a battle to win over the Belgian-born English coach who is in charge of Ligon side Reims. That would be a very ambitious appointment. Really would be a very ambitious appointment. Borussia Dortmund have joined Newcastle in the race for Serhug Gourassi. He's been linked to everybody. Just leave the lad alone. Let him play out the season. Stuttgart aren't going to want to sell him unless his contract is expiring in the summer. They're not going to want to sell him considering how well their season's going. They're in the Champions League spots for the moment. Premier League scouts from Manchester United, Manchester City, Tottenham and Liverpool are watching Hayden Hackney with the expectation he will leave next summer. Hayden Hackney is really good. I would I would be interested. I would. We'll go to break. When we come back, we're going to look at some of the worst Champions League campaigns that any clubs have had because United's is right in there. So I'll see you after this. Right, welcome back. So uh, we're starting in 92-93. We only had eight teams in the Champions League that season. And to be fair, nobody had an embarrassing campaign. Marseille won... Group A, Rangers finished second, Bruce third, CSK, Moscow bottom. They're the only team that didn't win a game in that group. But you wouldn't say it was embarrassing because they weren't expected to do much. In Group B, Milan won it. Got, uh, IFK Gothenburg finished second, Porto third, and Eindhoven bottom. They didn't win a game. Again, I, I don't think it's embarrassing because that's a tough group. So nobody in that season put forward a dreadful campaign. The same goes for the following year, where again, we only had eight teams. Barca and Monaco qualified from Group A. Spartak finished on five points. Galatasaray didn't win a game, but it's a really tough group. In the other group, Milan, Porto, they went through. Werder Bremen and Andelect, they both had good campaigns. Both of them won games. Both of them took points off good teams. You're not really pointing at anybody there and saying you've had yourself a stinker. Now, on to 94-95. Manchester United finished third in their group. IFK Gothenburg won the group. United went out. Level and points of Barcelona, but a worse goal difference. I don't think you could say it was embarrassing, but they should have, like, IFK Gothenburg were not better than Manchester United. It's just how it worked out. Uh, Group B, no. Group C, no. And Group D, no. Uh, on to 95-96. And we do have an embarrassing campaign. In fact, we have two. One of them is only embarrassing because they couldn't beat Stoya Bucharest, and that's Rangers. They finished bottom of their group, but they had Juve and Dortmund in that group. So it was a really tough group. But to finish bottom behind Stoya Bucharest is a bit embarrassing. But Blackburn Rovers, you're in a group with Spartak Moscow, Legia Warsaw and Rosenberg, and you finish bottom with four points. That's a shambles. That's the most embarrassing group in the champ, the most embarrassing performance in the Champions League to that point in history. 96-97. Uh, Rangers, bottom of a group with Oxair, Ajax, Grasshopper, only three points, one win, five defeats. That's pretty terrible. Auxerre were pretty good at the time. Ajax were very good at the time. Grasshopper were okay. But Rangers only winning one game is pretty embarrassing. It's not as bad as the as the Blackburn outcome. I would say Group D, Milan, who'd been one of the dominant forces in the Champions League since its inception, 
Finishing third behind Porto and Rosenberg, it's pretty terrible by their standard. Now, that was not a vintage Milan team by any stretch, but still, it's Milan. But Blackburn are still the leaders in the clubhouse. On to 97-98. Nobody from Group A. At Kosic in Group B, you're not expecting them to come through, especially with United, Juventus and Feyenoord in the group. Barcelona finishing bottom of a group with Dino Kiev. PSV Eindhoven and Newcastle is pretty shocking. So they're right up there with that awful Blackburn campaign. Group D is fine. Group E is fine. Group F is fine. Yeah. So we've got uh, Barcelona and Blackburn so far. On to 98-99. No embarrassing campaign in A. None in B. None in C, none in D. Arsenal not getting out of a group with Dinamo Kiev, Lens, and Panikinaitos was a big shock, but that was the Dinamo Kiev team that had Shevchenko and Rebrov. Uh, group F is fine. So we've got two really embarrassing ones so far through the 90s Blackburn and Barcelona. I'm not seeing anybody that I would tag as embarrassing. I think everybody's had Milan finishing bottom of a group behind Hertha Berlin and Galatasaray. It's pretty, pretty dreadful, but the Chelsea were in that group as well. Chelsea topped it. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but it's not quite as embarrassing as the other two. Um, there was a second group stage. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to worry about that. We're looking at the initial group stage here. 2000-2001. I think Juventus finishing bottom of a group with Deportivo, La Coruña, Panikonitas and Hamburg. That's right up there. That's right up there. So we're going to put that in as well. Oh, 0-1-0-2. Group A is fine. Group B, fine. Group C is fine. Lazio would have been very disappointed to finish bottom of a group with Nantes, Galatasaray and PSC, but they had started to sell players. Uh, so nobody from the 0102 season goes into our embarrassing list with Blackburn, Barcelona and Juventus. Um, on to 0203. And there's nobody. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. Bottom of a group. Failed to win any games. Two points. Now, they had Milan, who were really good. And went on to get, you know, to win the competition. Deportivo, who were really good. And Lons. But still, no, no wins. Just two points. That's the worst so far. So, I would say it's them. Then Blackburn. Then Juve and then Barca. Uh, Group H is fine. On to 03-04. We're back to one group stage at this point. And nobody comes out embarrassed in in that year, to be fair. It wasn't. It wasn't a dreadful year for anybody. 
Lacaronia will be a little bit disappointed not to win any games in that group, but I don't think it's too embarrassing. Same goes for Roma. They weren't very good that year. Uh, PSG, that's before the money, so they weren't a real force. Uh, 05-06. Manchester United, bottom of a group with Villarreal, Benfica and Lille. I think they've got to go in. Um, and they'd be the only ones from that season, although no, just yeah, just them, just them. So we're going to leave them in. Uh, hang on a sec, yeah, oh six, oh seven. What have we got? What have we got? We've got nobody, nobody. The, the teams that you would expect to progress, progress that year. Same as the year before. 07, 08. Valencia, Lazio. No, these, these are all fine. Um, 08, 09. What have we got? Cluj. No, no. No, that's all fine. 09, 10. That all looks fine. That all looks expected. Liverpool, disappointing not to advance out of a group at Fiorentina and Lyon, but Liverpool were very poor that year. But they did finish third and go into the Europa League, um, which I don't think you can class as embarrassing. It's bad, but it's not embarrassing. Uh, 10-11. Nobody. Everybody's fine that year. Uh, 11-12. Let's see. Villarreal finishing with no points is embarrassing, but consider the group. Bayern, Napoli, the really good Napoli team with Hamzik and Cavani, and Man City, who'd just won the league for the first time. Um, Manchester United going out of a group behind Basel was embarrassing at the time, but they still went into the Europa, so I'm not going to count them. Um... Dortmund finishing bottom of their group was pretty embarrassing considering I was a good Arsenal team but not a great Arsenal team, an average Marseille team and Olympiacos. I'm going to put Dortmund in um, into our group here. We're up to 12-13 as Zagreb Montpellier. Manchester City, bottom of a group, no wins. Now, they did have Dortmund, they had Real Madrid, and they had Ajax, but Ajax were not good. I think City have to go in here. Um, so we're going to include them. Um, we're up to 13-14. We're going to go back and look at these teams then afterwards, obviously. Uh, Sociedad, no, not from that group. No, nobody from that group. We're not going to be including any bad team, like not bad team, but any you know lesser team. We're not going to include them because a lot of them end up with no points, you know, like Celtic and stuff. We're not going to include them, um, especially under years where they're managed by Brandon Rogers. 
Um, no, that year is fine. That is 14, 15, so 15, 16 then. Well, actually, I've missed. Hang on. Let me go back. Liverpool went into the Europa League, but I still think their 14-15 Champions League campaign was an embarrassment, considering the group. Basel and Ludogorets, and you take five points. I'm sorry, we're including that one, because that was, it genuinely was shocking. Um, It's not going to be the worst, because obviously we've had, they did get into the Europa League, so they didn't finish bottom. Um, Manchester United finishing third in a group behind Wolfsburg and PSV is not great. But that year is generally fine. Uh, 16, 17. No, that's fine. 17, 18. Benfica, no points from a group of Basel and CSK. That's pretty embarrassing. That is pretty embarrassing. think we're going to have to include Benfica. Just because they're Benfica, like they are a top club. So we're going to include them. 18-19. Monaco. No. One point isn't great, but still, Monaco weren't good at the time. Uh, no, that year, that year is fine. On to 19-20. Galatasaray, no, no. No, that year is all fine. 2021. Inter will be a little bit embarrassed by their outing, but they did they did take six points, and it was a tough enough and even fairly evenly matched group. But they had just won the league, so they should be beating Gladbach. They should be beating Shakhtar Donetsk. I think we'll include them. Oh, they'd won... Was that the year they yeah, that was the year after they won the league, yeah. Um Italian Lens. No, we're gonna include Inter, but the rest we will leave. Uh 21-22. No. No, that looks fine. And then last year. Rangers with no points wasn't wasn't unexpected. Atletico Madrid, uh, yeah, we're going to include them, and that will be that. So we've got Atleti from that year, and then twenty three, twenty four. Obviously, Manchester United will be strong contenders here as one of the worst teams. I don't think anyone else. I don't think anyone else will qualify for an embarrassing campaign this year round. So we have 13, 13 campaigns that I would deem embarrassing. So let's round them. Let's go back on them. So Blackburn, 95, 96. Four points from a group with Spartak Moscow. Leslie Warsaw and Rosenberg. Lost 1-0 at home to Spartak. 
lost 2-1 away to Rosenberg, lost 1-0 away to Leslie Warsaw, drew at home with Leslie Warsaw, lost 3-0 away to Spartak, and then beat Rosenberg 4-1 in the final game. That's that's definitely a contender. Given the quality of opposition here as well, that's definitely going to be a contender. Next up then, 97-98. We're looking at Barcelona. So they were in Group C with Dinamo Kiev, PSV and Newcastle. Lost away to Newcastle, the legendary Espria hat-trick. Drew 2-2 at home with PSV. Lost 3-0 away in Kiev. Lost 4-0 at home to Kiev. Then beat Newcastle 1-0. And then drew 2-2 in Eindhoven. That's a fairly shocking, fairly shocking goal of things. To lose 7-0 on aggregate to Dino Kiev. I know Kiev were good that year, but still, they're going to have to be contenders. Uh, 99-2000, I believe this is the Milan year. Yeah, so they're in Group H. Drew with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Beat Galatasaray at home. Drew with Hertha at home. Lost away to Hertha, drew at home with Chelsea, and lost away in Galatasaray. It's not. It's not. It's not overly embarrassing. It's poor, but it's not overly embarrassing. So we're going to eliminate them from contention. Uh, then the Juventus season, uh, Group E of two thousand two thousand and one, drew four four. Away to Hamburg, Inzaghi with a hat-trick, beat Panikonitis at home, drew at home with La Coruña, drew away with La Coruña, got beaten 3-1 at home by Hamburg and lost 3-1 away to Panikonitis. I think we'll eliminate that. I don't think it's that... I don't think it's that terrible. Um, 0-2-0-3. Who did we have from here now? Oh, yeah, Bayern Munich. In Group G, this is an absolute shocker for Bayern. So they lose 3-2 at home to La Coruña. They draw 1-1 with Lanz. They lose 2-1 at home to Milan. Lose 2-1 away to Milan. Lose 2-1 away to La Coruña. And then they draw 3-3 with Lanz. So we're going to have to consider that. It's a really tough group. If they'd finished third and they'd won... One of the games against Lons, I would have said, okay, fair enough. But, you know, they didn't win any games. They drew two and lost four. Lons beat La Coruña. They drew with... Did they draw with Milan? No, they beat Milan as well. So it's not like Milan, even though they won it, were bulletproof. So yeah, we're gonna to have to have that that Bayern season. Uh 0506 is Manchester United. They're not gonna go into our final group because they did win one and draw three, losing only two, but it's a very weak group. 
They drew at Villarreal. They beat Benfica. They drew at Lille. They lost to Lille. They drew at Villarreal, and then they lost to Benfica. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock that one off. I don't think that's. It's bad. It's not. It's not a disgrace. The, the rest of these are disgraceful. The rest of the, the ones we're putting into our final group are disgraceful. Um. Eleven twelve was Dortmund in Group F. Four points. Mar- Arsenal, Marseille, and Olympiacos. They drew with Arsenal. They lost to Marseille. Lost to Olympiacos. Beat Olympiacos. Lost to Arsenal, and then lost at home to Marseille. That's fairly shocking, to be fair. We're gonna we're gonna move them into our last groups. That's four moved on. Um, 12-13 is Manchester City it's a tough group but three points lost to Real drew with Dortmund at home lost to Ajax away drew with Ajax at home drew with Real at home and lost away to Dortmund that's it that's a shocker to not win any games, but it is a really tough group. I think we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll we'll leave them out. Um, 14, 15 then is that Liverpool campaign. I'm just going to rule them out. I'm just going to, for Liverpool fans, I'm just going to make you relive this with me because this was a horror show. Beat Ludogorets 2-1 at home, needed a last minute penalty to do so. Lost away to Basel, got pumped at home by Real, lost away to Real, where Rodgers rested a lot of starters, drew 2-2 with Ludogorets, and then needed a late Steven Gerrard goal to get a draw at home to Basel. Had they beaten Basel, they would have gone through. We're going to eliminate it, but that's a shocker. Uh, 17-18. Who do they have? Oh, Benfica with no points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is not great at all. Uh, lost at home to CSKA. Lost, uh, 2-1. Lost 5-0 away to Basel. Which is a shocker. Lost 1-0 at home to United. Lost 2-0 lost away to United. Lost 2-0 away to CSKA and lost 2-0 at home to Basel. Scored one goal. So uh, they're hard to beat. That's a really hard to beat because it's not a good group. That was not a good United team. Um, 2021. Who did we have? Inter. Yeah, Group B. Drew 2-2 at home with Gladbach. Drew 0-0 away with Shakhtar. Lost 3-2 away to Real. Lost 2-0 at home to Real. Beat Gladbach 3-2 away from home and then drew with Shakhtar. It's not an embarrassment, but it's, it's really poor. So we'll eliminate them. Uh, 22-23, so last season. 
we had Atletico Madrid in Group B. Now they're not going to they're not going to advance because they did take five points from a tough enough group. Well, it's yeah. Look, they beat Porto. Porto would go on and win the group. Then they beat. They lost two nil to Leverkusen. They lost two nil to Bruges, which was a dreadful result. Drew nil nil with Bruges. Drew two two with Leverkusen, and then lost to Porto on the final day. It's really poor, but we'll eliminate them. And then finally, Manchester United of this current season lost four three away to Bayern. Lost three two at home to Galatasaray. Beat Copenhagen 1-0 at home. Lost 4-3 away to Copenhagen. Drew 3-3 with Galatasaray. Lost 1-0 at home to Manchester to Bayern. So we're going to move them in. So that's our final six. 95-96, Blackburn Rovers. 97-98, Barcelona. I think we'll eliminate them, will we? Yeah, we'll eliminate them. That's not dreadful. That's not dreadful. So 95-96, Blackburn. 02-03, Bayern. 11-12, Borussia Dortmund. That's a stinker. 17-18, Benfica. And then this current Manchester United season. Now, Dortmund is a combination of bad results and a, a fairly weak group that they should have come through. So let's have a look and see what those teams did domestically uh, in that in those seasons. We're going to start with Blackburn, obviously, because they're first up on our list. 95-96, Blackburn. They finished seventh in the Premier League. Kenny Dalglish obviously resigned and Ray Harford took over. They were just not particularly good that season. I think it's fair to say. Now, they did have some injury issues, but Chris Sutton missed half the Champions League games. Sherwood missed games, Ripley missed games, Wilcox missed games, Wilcox missed most of the season. They had a lot of injuries that year. Lasso missed half the season. They had a lot of injuries. And I think for that, they can't take top spot, despite the fact I think their group is the weakest group of any of these teams. Bayern. 0203. Bayern won the Bundesliga. They won the German Cup. But they had this disastrous Champions League campaign. Oliver Kahn played most of the year. They didn't have many injuries in the defensive line. A lot of chopping and changing in midfield, but you know, it's it's a pretty strong midfield. The Sebastian Deisler injury was massive, but you know, we saw the, did see the emergence of Schweinsteiger that year, uh, which was good. Um, and Elber and Pizarro play. So that's that's gonna go above the Blackburn one um in terms of in terms of dreadful because of how good they were domestically and how strong they were. Let's see, eleven twelve Dortmund. 
they won the Bundesliga. They finished. They also won the German Cup. Um, it seems like they didn't have too many injury issues either. Uh, let's see. Vedenfeiler played most games. Subotic was fit. Hummels was fit. Lewandowski was fit. Gotza did miss some games. He missed quite a few games, actually. Uh, Grosquitz was fit. Gundigan was fit most of the year. Bender was fit most of the year. That's really poor. That's really poor. Not nearly as bad as the Bayern season. We just, to be fair, Benfica is number one because no points and one goal scored is mortifying. I think we're going to go Bayern second. And then I think this United season is worse than that Blackburn season, but Blackburn did have an easier group. So we're going to go them third, this Manchester United fourth, and then that Dortmund season is going to be fifth. So there you go. Your five worst Champions League group campaigns of all time. 17-18 Benfica. Actually, let's just see how Benfica did domestically. I feel like they won the league. They didn't. They finished second. They finished second. They have many injuries. They signed a whole bunch of players. Didn't spend a lot of money, though, did they? Might have been one of the, those years where they were they did sell Lindelof, Ederson, Nelson Semedo. Investigation into how they got $30 million for Nelson Semedo, by the way. Um, yeah. I actually think that Bayern season is 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 worse, but I'm going to because he got no points and scored one goal. <clears throat> Bayern were a good team. Benfica were okay, but we're going to go Benfica seventeen eighteen as the worst Champions League group campaign ever. The o two o three Bayern Munich as the second worst. Ninety five ninety six Blackburn. Twenty three twenty four Manchester United. And 11-12, Borussia Dortmund. And that's our top five. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. So there we go, folks. I'm done for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Network.